Hey, what's up? This is your host, Alex Hamo, and welcome to Alex Listens, a podcast about philosophy and politics and race and mental health. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with the one and only Flex Mummy, aka Lil Ahenken. We spoke about everything. We spoke about the experience of being an influencer, the highs and lows, how Flex ended up there. We spoke about life, what it means, whether it's good, whether it's bad. We spoke about capitalism, whether that's good or bad. And naturally, Flex gave me and will give you a lot of advice about how to be in this world, how to ask for what you want and how to figure out what you want. Flex is one of the most incredible people I have met, one of the most incredible people I've interviewed. Um, She is extremely driven, extremely passionate, um, extremely self-aware person who it has done a truly remarkable job of setting boundaries. Um, probably one of the best jobs of setting boundaries that I have witnessed in my life. So I'm sure this will be a riveting interview for you. Uh, it goes for 90 minutes, so buckle your seatbelts. Um, and I'm sure you will love it. But before I play the interview, a few quick things to mention. First of all, you should follow me on social media at Alex Listens on Instagram and at Alex Listens on TikTok. Obviously, links for these two things in the bio of this episode. Second of all, if you're enjoying the podcast or any of the other work I do, please consider supporting it. I don't run ads on this podcast, it's just me. Um, so if you'd like to support it, you can do so via Patreon or via PayPal. Anything will be super helpful. The equivalent of buying me a tea or a coffee once a month, something like that. There'll be a link to Patreon and to PayPal in the bio for this episode as well. And, you know, obviously tell a friend if you've enjoyed the podcast. Subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And you should also note that this interview will be on YouTube. You can watch the video of me talking to Flex. Um, There'll be a link for that as well in the bio of this episode. Finally, I'm running a beginner's philosophy course. So if you wanna learn about philosophy, what it is, how it can help your life, whether it can help your life at all, click the link in my bio. It starts in seven days on the 14th of December. Uh, There are two classes, one on the 14th, one on the 15th, um, 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Melbourne slash Sydney time. So if you're keen to learn about philosophy, should take my course. It's pay what you can afford. Anyway, that's enough of that. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with the one and only Flex Mummy. So, Lil Flex, hey, what's up? How are you going? I am well. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm also fine. Um, I I actually I would have imagined you not to use that word i feel like i feel like fine is reserved for like depressed people (gasps) like me and not not the people who actually are flying into the future like you no we Um, must we must use use words for their meanings not our emotional (laughs) attachments to certain words fine would just be the most neutral right Mm. the most medium i think it's Mm. good Mm. Mm -hmm. true and what what have you What's going on in your life at the moment? What's what's new? What's big? What's what's what are you enjoying? What are you enjoying? I am enjoying playing my Nintendo Switch. I'm enjoying tarot. I'm enjoying uh, introspection. That's my favorite. I'm enjoying thinking about my mortality because it makes me do stuff and. 
not in the way that one might think because I do things regularly but I think that I can find too many excuses not to do things that I really enjoy because they serve no real justifiable purpose to somebody else to be observing right like yesterday I made this little lego this is little lego bee so cute Uh, and it only took 10 minutes but I had been putting it off because I had work to do which was quote unquote more important but no it was so enjoyable I used all of my motor skills it really uh, sparked joy it was great whoa and like (laughs) yeah I feel like you've already you've already touched on this huge because I know that a lot of what you speak about and a lot of a lot of your work is like deeply philosophical and I think this is why I was so interested in talking with you because um yeah it seems like there aren't there aren't that many influencers out there who are like very consciously making their work or consciously or unconsciously making their work philosophical and political and I feel like you just like captured an experience that I have all the time where I catch myself not doing things that I enjoy and like pushing things that I enjoy to the side because they don't have like a kind of clear measurable impact like on my life or stuff like this so yeah like how what had to happen in your life in order for you to sit down and make that lego butterfly like how did you how do you how do you make time for the things the things that you do enjoy I think I've just gotten to this point. So I am 27 and yeah, 27. And I've been rising and grinding since 19 or so. And I've achieved some really cool things. And I feel like I'm at a point in my career where my career achievements have been validated by so many of those around me. Uh, And it feels a bit like, It's just lacking a certain sense of depth that I thought it would to have done so many cool things objectively, subjectively, and to still be at a point where I feel as though I have not arrived and I will not arrive. And I also came to the conclusion that the goalposts keep moving. The things I wanted that I was so sure would make me feel whole are things that I discard now, right? And so I I think I am put off by this idea of wanting, 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 doing, 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 achieving, 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 and then feeling like it's quite circular in its in its impact on me. So I thought if I'm going to be here for a while, because I really want to be immortal, I plan not to die anytime soon. Uh, and this is just life, the mundane, the, the cycles, the, the ups and downs, then I might as well just prioritize things that feel good anyway. Because I think that I have done a really poor job with exercising any kind of balance because I assumed that um I assumed that giving my attention to one would create a sense of wholeness that it hasn't and I can say that only retrospectively I don't think I would have come to this conclusion or destination without having experienced what I have so I've got perspective to say oh no it's cool to achieve stuff but you can do it both and you can do it slower uh and there's nothing Uh, there's no career achievement that feels just as good as like making a Lego butterfly because you want to, you just, you can't something about, um, do you know what I think it is? I think that at this time in life, I'm learning the value of, uh, things that are sacred and so much of my life is up for consumption that it's, it's not sacred. It's for everybody. It's she's for the streets. (laughs) 
she um she is to be consumed and she is to be ogled and she is to be uh, talked about talked at and in my most quiet moments i did this thing that existed just to feed me whatever part of me that needed to be fed one might say the inner child one might say who knows the ego just to like do something own it and not share it i mean i did share it but I didn't do it with the intention to be validated because who's going to validate me for playing a game that's meant for five-year-olds? <laughs> <laughs> but it felt right. So yeah, knowing that I have, knowing that I had more time than I was allowing myself, but knowing that that time would quickly feel like it was running out if I didn't spend more time doing what I wanted to because I wanted to. Mm. Yeah, right, right. I think it's it's really interesting that the thing that has driven you there is like confronting your mortality. Um, cause that's like, that's a big, that's a big thing to confront. Um, and like, you know, for me has been a big driving force for like working harder, but has also been like a pretty crushing thing to realize as like a crushing thing to know that is driving me. Like it's, it's, you know, it feels like being motivated to do stuff should come from somewhere else rather than, you know, an awareness that like the clock is ticking. And so I think that, yeah, like I, I think that moments, those moments where you do like realize that, ah, you know, I need to, I need to stop like making outward facing stuff for people to consume. They're really special. Um, and at least for me, they're really like few and far between. I'm, I don't have too many moments where I remember that like, I actually am a person who like, likes doing stuff for myself. Um, so yeah, like. It sounds like this is, is this a recent thing for you? Like, have you, have you, cause you said that like, you know, so much of you is out there for people to consume so much of you is out there for people to kind of assess and talk about and talk at you. Um, how have you been able to kind of forge, like how, have you been able to forge a sense of self that is independent of this version of you that is out there to consume or are they have they become kind of like impossible to separate it's 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 the it's the latter what i i thought what i would be able to do is just master it's like exercise some kind of self-mastery within this space that's causing me turmoil and that's just like that's contradicting doesn't really make a lot of sense and so what i had to do is uh less compartmentalizing right because if at the rate I'm working let's say 18 hours a day it means that I either choose to work or choose to enjoy that's not going to happen so I needed to make sure that the commodification of myself was for my benefit first and that is a really tricky thing to do when you are acutely aware of how many people make money off your being how many people use your being as a source of entertainment or pleasure for themselves first and not for you and so it's been quite radical to be like, no, I'm going to monetize the access you have to me because if you want it so badly and I feel like I'm entitled to it, then that feels like we're on the same page, right? Right? So it's, um, it's been something that I've battled with for the longest time, but I think I don't really know. Here's the thing, right? I think I've, I've always felt like I had some kind of agency, but in a very egotistical way. I remember, and I used to tell this story on my other podcast, Bubbo and Flex, when it existed. I said that when I was 19, 
and I was breaking up with a boyfriend at the time and he said to me you know the world doesn't revolve around you right and I like I don't know what it was but I was like oh my gosh because for all the things I'm experiencing for all the unique things my wants my needs my strengths my weaknesses my neuroses you have them too you're just not like an NPC that exists to play the role (laughs) of the partner that I wanted for myself. I felt so entitled. I felt like, you know, I willed you into my reality by choosing you. Therefore, you must behave in the way that I expect for that reason. And so I think in, in a lot of ways, I've maintained feeling like I have a sense of agency. But the older I get, the more life experiences I have, I feel not helpless, but confined to behaving in certain ways. Otherwise, I impact myself first. So when I was having my first, um, uh, the realization of what it means to actually commodify yourself and what I had agreed to, I was like, well, what am I meant to do now? Quit? No, I want the perks. (laughs) I'm still motivated by the superficial. I want to be validated. So I'm not quitting. And so dealing with just the incompatibilities of both of those truths that felt just as important to me at that time, I find that I'm only able to detach little by little as I age because it just becomes less and less important. And I think uh, before I felt like the agency I felt was comparable to being invited to sit at the table. And now I'm like, oh no, I keep building tables and now I'm a carpenter. I don't want to be a carpenter. (laughs) I want to frolic. I want to be whoever I want to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. You've got the, you've got the factory, you've got the factory <laughs> exactly. building tables for you. And it's like, that was never the plan. And now that's the, per- that's the path. What is the purpose? I'm not sure. Wow. Yeah. You touched on, you touched on a range of, a range of big themes there. Like, um, especially one thing that really interests me is this idea of control and agency, because that's something that I'm also like fanatical about. And like, you know, also in regular therapy to try and like resolve. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, how good. But I how didn't good. even realize it was told to me. And I was like, I don't have issues with control. I never have. And my me too. Like, I, I think you might want to just introspect a little more. <laughs> oh, so funny. So funny. Yeah, I like, I remember... I was, I've been seeing the same therapist once a week for like three years. And there was this like six month period where every week he was like, Alex, dude, like, can't you see that you just want to be in control of everything? And I was like, no, that like, that's not me. That's not what's happening. That's not what's (laughs) happening. And then after a while, I was like, oh my God, he's right. Um, But yeah, like, I'm really, I'm really interested in, in, the the thing you said about like you know f- for so long you wanted to be invited to the table and now like you know you have you own the table factory mm-hmm. um and like you know not choosing to own this table factory not choosing to uh be kind of this like this identity for businesses to be able to profit from and for you to be able to kind of use for however you want, however you want to use your online identity. Um, I'm wondering, like, have you, in in the context of control, have you been able to, like, have you been able to preempt any of the kind of changes in your 
like status as an online content creator over the years or has it actually just been like anarchy have you been like big brother mtv like kind of just pulled in all of these different directions without actually being able to you know control where your identity is heading i would say it's been mostly anarchy because i knew from the first uh, big jump so working in pr to being a dj from there, I felt invincible. So it was less about I want to choose where I'm going next and more so I will be going somewhere else. So I must make myself available for all opportunities and exploit them when they make themselves available. And I found a lot of power in doing that because it's one thing to... it's Because for me, it was less about do I have the skills and more so are people recognizing those skills? And that's what I really struggle with as well. If people cannot see it, does it exist? I'm not sure. So part of me was kind of like, oh, I didn't want to be a TV presenter. I wanted to be validated as someone who could be one. And so I became one. I didn't want to necessarily, uh, like, I think the best way to explain it is before I became this social media content creator and I worked in PR, I had social profiles but I didn't use them I was uh, a full-time lurker I only had accounts to watch other people exist I could not fathom why anybody who wasn't in a position of influence or affluence would want to publicize their life in that way so it is really ironic that this would become my life and I'd be battling between why does it matter versus here have everything because none of it matters anyway um And so, you know, I just found myself just wanting to be a sponge for opportunity, not recognizing that it wasn't all pros and there were some cons. And it wasn't until now that I'm like, oh, okay, I see. Not everything was as it seemed. And it's not as though I didn't choose it because I definitely chose it. I went out of my way for a lot of these things, but I didn't, I, I, I felt like the choices I thought I had were binaries, like do it or don't do it, not choose how you want to do it and for what reason and when you do it and how often you do it. I didn't recognize I had that much control over uh, the outcome. And so I think my, my quote unquote issues with control have probably gotten worse because now I do feel like an alchemist of sorts. Now I do feel like a major manifester. Now I do feel like whatever or however I would like my life to turn out is fully my choice and I think every day I'm confronted with examples of how that's not true and every day it hurts just the same (laughs) it's just odd like I said the theme of my life is circular I just think I go around and around in circles and on every kind of orbit or on every kind of like journey around the circle I feel like I grab some more knowledge that makes it easier or more understandable or I just develop more context which makes the next journey around the circle far more enjoyable but I think I make realizations that aren't in my benefit like I was saying before I didn't realize that life was mundane until recently and now with that in mind I feel like I am in my uh my rebel era where I totally want to rebel against the mundane because it's not fair that shouldn't be my life but I'm like it it just is so what are you fighting against (laughs) why put in all this effort what is who are you being a warrior for just be a court jester just enjoy yourself (laughs) yeah yeah make those lego butterflies exactly (laughs) um yeah wow this like this circular concept is a really interesting one I 
I feel the same way. I think especially as like a person, uh, like I, I'm pretty ambitious, I guess you are also pretty ambitious. And I think being an ambitious person, being raised by, you know, parents who came from a different country and who were, you know, in, who were worried about what, you know, their family's financial prospects were going to be like. There are so many layers to my ambition. And I think I, I really do feel committed to a constant like circle of like thinking about another project, achieving or like finishing it and then like instantly moving on to the next one. Um, and like, I guess I wondered whether you, whether this circle for you, like firstly, whether you're okay with like your life kind of following this, this circular motion where you're like kind of, you know, feeling the same drive and like picking things up along the way, but always still being driven to do more. Firstly, whether that's okay. And secondly, whether like you actually believe that you'll be able to whether there's an end goal, like, is there, do you like, do you hope to get anywhere in particular? Um, yeah, I guess those two questions. So that was quite confusing. Firstly, is it okay that like, mm. is this circle? I'm okay concept? with the circle and I don't, I'm not going anywhere, which, mm. which I think that a year ago I would have been like, no, there is a destination, there's an end. But every time I tell myself that I find myself contradicting that by doing something else. I think that I'm more concerned with the um, the embodiment of what it is to be going somewhere, anywhere. And I think for a long time, I just thought the trajectory was up, right? Because it felt good to be going up. Now I just want to sustain it, this thing. I used to say, and I still say to a lot of people now, that isn't it funny that I just chose this path? With It was very much... Um, Foolish. I was so naive. I was looking upwards and outwards with no real, um, no real context what the consequences or the implications of any of my choices would be. And now I'm here, and I don't. I'm not upset at being here at all. I quite like it, and I don't want to do what I got here. I don't want to. I don't want to put in the same amount of effort to do this with something else. I don't want to do that because this. It's just. I know that this was fun and I know that this is good, but the odds of that are so low. People do what I do all the time and don't get to where I've gone. So I'm quite happy to just be able to, to ride the circle. But like I said, I feel like if the circle is a roller coaster or like any ride that you've been on more than once, the first time it's shocking, the second time you're like, this is so ridiculous and boring. I can't believe I screamed the first time. That's where I want to get to without feeling jaded. I'm happy to feel blasé. I'm happy to feel content. I don't want to feel jaded because I recall what I was like when I was a teenager, you know, or a young adult. And I was just in a constant state of bliss. I was just a bit of like a scatterbrained, very excited. I was super imaginative. I created worlds in my head all the time. I made sure I created words and I had different lexicons and I, I, everything was just about creating my reality in a way that suited me. And I'm happy to do that in a far more functional way, but I, I want to get back to that stage. I don't want to, I think a lot of people have this desire to reinvent the wheel and to change things, make them better. I just want to make my life better. And 
that's quite hard to do when I have to be a functioning member of whatever this is. And I have to kind of be a vessel to other people's wants and needs. And I find myself battling between respecting that there's no destination for me, but what about everyone else has to deal with me? Terrible. Like you can imagine me in a relationship. Where is this going? I don't know. Like it can go anywhere. We can go anywhere. <laughs> and it's like, no, where do we go? I'm like, you know what? I've not thought about it. It can't be this. It can't be that. It can't be this. But here's possibility. That's not sustainable. Even managing stuff where I have to kind of get out of my scatterbrain head and do and speak to people who are living in reality for what it is. I feel like, I, and I talk about it in my book as well, like everybody has their two worlds, they alternate between the one in your head and the one that is the world around you. And I want to stay in the one in my head and start to like almost mold the world around me so it reflects that perfectly. I don't want to have to disregard my imagination. I don't want to have to make my dreams feel smaller or make my ideas of the world feel uh, less obscure. I want to do that. But it's like, at what cost? <laughs> I don't know yet. Hmm. What does what does the world in your head look like? Is it is it like is it your life at the moment or is it different? It's a feeling. I'm always chasing a feeling. And I can recall moments in my life where I felt so um like so excitable, so sure, so certain all the time. Like I was never surprised by things that were happening to me because I willed them that way. Like I said, it's a control thing. It's an alchemy thing. I'm like, oh, I am the master of my universe. And then something happens to me or I'm dealing with someone where I can't anticipate what they'll do next. Or I feel like I have to suppress every need uh, in myself to direct where this conversation is going, direct where this relationship is going, direct where this activity is going that I'm always struggling with. So it's, it's like, the feeling, the closest thing I can, if I had to put a word, a word to the feeling, it's self-mastery, but not just for my own brain or my own body. It's self-mastery in all things. Everywhere I go, life is as I want it because I want it. That's not happening, but I'm happy to believe that it could. <laughs> Whoa. What do you like? Because that's like, it's a pretty incredible it's a pretty incredible uh ambition and a pretty incredible thing to be striving towards um and like you said something before that i feel is relevant here and that is that like you know there are many there are many people in your area of work i guess like you know social media is this like booming industry um and I imagine it's like, I imagine there is, as you rise through the ranks, you are given, you do have more and more control over, you know, what you're able to say yes to, what you're able to say no to, this kind of thing. Maybe, I'm not sure if that's like, or, or this self-mastery feeling, maybe like, you know, the more successful you become, the more you feel like you are this like, kind of alchemist creature um but i wonder like how i wonder how i wonder whether you think things would have been different for you had you know you stayed in pr do you think you still would have had the same 
kind of ambition and same um, desire to kind of sculpt the world in this like image you have in your mind if you didn't have the kind of um, I guess power that you have in the current like position you have as like one of Australia's foremost influences? I would definitely not. When I made that transition from PR to DJing, I felt invincible. I was like, I can just change the course of my reality by saying yes to one thing and then another thing. I, I literally was like, what else can I do? I was looking around for opportunities, looking around for things to, things that had once felt so far out of my reach. I was like, no, I should be able to have them. And when I tell people the story of how I did all of these things, they're kind of like, you're just lucky. And I'm like, mm, I was high on something. I was high on life, high on opportunity because it was all, so going from PR to DJing was going to an event and asking. Going from DJing to being an MTV presenter was sending an email. Going to an MTV presenter to radio was also sending an email. Going to radio to influencing, sending an email. Everything felt really easy because I didn't, I could not fathom that I could not achieve something equal to what I'd already done before. And I think that I always felt, I definitely had gifted and, ten, gifted and talented syndrome when I finished high school, but I don't think I would have known how to exercise or how to do anything with that feeling that would suit me in the way that it has. Um, and that's why earlier in my career, I used to feel really responsible to empower people who followed me or who felt inspired by me. Now I don't because we are living in alternate realities so far from one another that it doesn't serve me to try and get somebody to shift their perspective and their mindset to align with mine. Because it's like, you just don't have the same source that I do. And the sooner we both recognize that you can figure out what yours is, yours is and get what you want in the way that suits you. And that's what I really struggled with with writing the success experiment because I feel as though people are always looking for a shortcut from somebody else to contextualize why they do or don't have what they want. And I'm like, if that was the case, you would have read all the books you had needed to by now and have gotten what you wanted. It's all in you. And I think what I came to realize quite early on is that but when I worked in PR, I really believed in like the myth of meritocracy, like work really hard, you'll get what you want. That's how it works. Not the case because I saw far too many people who didn't have as good of a work ethic, weren't as articulate, weren't as well, whatever it might be, who was killing it, right? And it was the mindset that I didn't have. I didn't believe that I could do things that they did for reasons, well, because my reality affirmed my mindset and vice versa. So I do think everybody needs that like seismic shift that... Um, that kind of like almost like breaks the flow for a second or, or ha moves the energy in like a counterclockwise way so you can start to see things differently and you can you can um like what's the word I'm looking for you can fabricate that feeling you know like you you read a book that inspires you you do some shrooms and these all give you like this minor um yeah, this, this minor ability to see things differently just for a little moment. But it's this commitment to seeing things differently, but also making sure things are different. So, yeah, no, I would never, I don't think I would have gotten to this place, which is why I feel as though the more I stay in this industry, the more 
vocal I try to be about the reality of it because I'm just like you people love the fantasy of what life is and it's like life can be a fantasy but like you have to use your practical means to get to that point it's not going to no witch is coming to cast the spell for you you need to be your own witch <laughs> yeah you need to be your own witch and set very firm boundaries yeah yeah <laughs> that's a big one yeah um yeah, wow. Okay. So I think yeah, one one thing that one thing that is really it's really interesting in what you said is this this kind of transition that you that you underwent from wanting to kind of change how people thought to then realizing that like, you know, most of the time it's like impossible and when it is possible, it's extremely taxing. Yeah. Um yeah. And <laughs> And I think like, um, you know, like being someone who I come from a minority background, being someone who like, you know, is often turned to in a room like as the consultant for like (laughs) Arab politics or this kind of thing, you know, there's like this extra level of fatigue that like, you know, I imagine both of us have had for our entire lives being turned to to like comment on various political issues. So I feel that too. But um, I, I guess I have a question about like how you go about setting setting boundaries, both in terms of like your use of social media and how you engage, how you allow yourself to engage with your followers. So maybe let's start with the uh, the first question first. So like how much... I guess, how much time do you actually spend on social media? Um, because, yeah, like what, what, is your, what is your actual relationship to it? Do you enjoy it? Is it like, is it like so part of your life, so much a big part of your life that you don't even think about it anymore? Like where, where's, where are things at? I definitely think about it. I would say for as long as I'm awake, I'm on social media in some capacity. There might be, you know, moments of 20, 30 minutes where I'm like, oh, I'm doing something quite important. I can't you know, I can't shift my energy. Like right now I can't check social media or I won't. But um, the thing is, I'm not the kind of person who's so intrinsically tied to it that I can't get off. So for instance, like I take weekends off um, posting on social media. I take weekends, moments here and there where I'm not posting, not using, but there are points of it that I really, really enjoy. And that's those ones that exist purely for entertainment and education. And like, this is fantastic. The bits that I hate the most about social media is not necessarily the access people have to me, but what they do with that access. I just cannot wrap my head around it. It's as little from... It's almost like it frustrates me. Like I respect the position I have. I'm really grateful for it. I deserve it. Everything I had, I worked for, I deserved it. Maybe I was lucky, whatever it is. But I also cannot fathom being the person on the other end of me. One who gets to observe so little of my life or maybe a lot because of close friends or something who now feels intrinsically tied to me, trusts me with advice, trusts me with um, matters of their life in a way that they don't even trust their own friends and family. I don't understand. People who see me um, and, and use me as a poster child or a mouthpiece for all the things that I visually identify to them. 
blackness, fatness, uh, women in business, whatever it might be, and then hold me to such stringent ideals of how I should present myself, which is very odd. And I think it's especially frustrating for me because I spent a lot of time giving people a lot of context for myself and people bypass that context in favor of whatever they would like me to, to be for that moment. And I really, I think I would have, I struggled with that up until maybe I would say last year or so. Up until that point, I felt really responsible for ensuring that I was the, uh, not just the token in any space, but the responsible token. Like if I'm going to be the representative for, you know, blackness in Australia, I have to be the best, the smartest, you know, the most, uh, the most well-rounded. And I was like, no, 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 there is no point. Like, who is this for, if not me? And also what I recognize is that, as you said, it's exhausting to be somebody who is an access point for 10 people, let alone hundreds of thousands. And once I recognized that, that kind of, once I recognized that people weren't, weren't privy to how much effort it was taking me, everybody thought it was easy. I enjoyed it. This is your job. That's when I was like, oh, no, 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 no. They have to know. My job, if we're going to, let's say influencing, for example, my only job is to sell you stuff. When I'm not doing that, I'm not doing my job. So this expectation that because you've sent me this six paragraph message about, you know, your, your job woes, I don't actually care. And I think I had to honor that for myself, number one, because I'm a very curious person. And sometimes I need to find the balance between curiosity and actual interest. I don't care. I'm not interested in a lot of things, but there is a sense of curiosity because I want the, I don't want the answer. I, I want to be able to sate that curiosity in a way that suits me. And at one point it did suit me to be this agony aunt, uh, virtual best friend, whatever it was. And then it didn't. And watching the way people responded to me when it didn't was the catalyst for setting boundaries. So with my podcast, Bobo and Flex, we did that for three years. And every week we would talk about, you know, race, anti-blackness, internalized racism, internalized misogyny, philosophy, psychology. And I, when we started that podcast, we wanted to make these topics feel accessible, not for some virtuous reason of being, you know, um, women of the people but because we were recognizing that there were very few areas in our lives where we could speak at length with people who would also be bringing in context of the conversation there was always this kind of hierarchy where we were the teachers or the educators and we just wanted to talk one-to-one person to person and so we believed that having this podcast would create a space where we could do that where people who would listen would become the people we would talk to that's not what happened because people would come in get the information they needed leave then new people would come in and so three years in people like but why is it offensive to not to not want to be black why is it offensive to ask to touch somebody's hair why is it offensive and it's like whoa what what or they would cross that boundary and say and send us like we would be getting messages from people being like, hey, um, my boyfriend is part of a anti-black online KKK group and I want to know how... I'm like, what do you think this is? What makes you think I want to be exposed to not only you, but this? <laughs> Get away from me. So it, suddenly I was like, no, no, this doesn't work for me. All this, all this good work I thought I was doing, this virtuous work, this altruistic work I thought I was doing for the greater good was not benefiting anyone. 
it was making it far more easy for people to align themselves with perceived goodness. And that's not even my MO. I don't want to be a good person. I want to live. <laughs> so it was from there. I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is, this needs to start now. But it was such a difficult journey because people did not feel as though I was entitled to their respect. They thought I was entitled to their admiration, their validation, not their respect. And so I started small. I was like, if you're going to ask me a question, say please and say thank you. You would have thought I was asking for them to, to direct, direct debit me $1,000 a day. Everyone's like, why do you think you're entitled to that? You know, your fans are asking you questions because they like you. Why do you feel like, you know, people, why are you setting up these stringent ideas of how somebody should engage with you? Why can't you be understanding? And I'm like, it's a please and a thank you. I don't understand why this is going to be the hill we're dying on. But it became such a point of contention People were like posting about it in various Facebook groups being like, she's so entitled. What does she think this is? You know, got a few followers. It's gone to her head. I'm like, you are debating me on whether or not social cues are appropriate, whether or not etiquette is appropriate in this transaction. You're asking me for my time, my energy, my insight, my advice, and you don't feel like it's appropriate to say please and thank you. And that's when I was like, who cares? Let's go harder. And I'm like, we are creating barriers, paywalls, like anything that pushes those, pushes people away from me and rewards those who respect me, I'm down for. But it wasn't simple and it wasn't easy. And I still struggle with it now because I, I am in that mindset of like, well, if not me, then who, right? So if I don't want to work with that tokenistic brand about who's talking about inclusion and diversity and beauty, who's going to do it? And it's like, well, no, no one. And if that's the case, then so be it. <laughs> like, I don't actually care enough to be um, a warrior. I don't want to be on the front lines. I don't want to to exist in this cycle of overcoming, overcoming, overcoming. Ew! <laughs> mm. I want to relax. I want to vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. And yeah, I think like you're so right about this this strange dynamic that's created between someone who's talking openly and is being vulnerable online and talking about experiences, especially things as intimate as like race and identity and sexuality and this kind of stuff. Um, I feel like it's very easy for people to confuse this with an invitation to like insert themselves into your life and expect a reciprocal relationship. And what you said about being curious and interested, like by nature, really resonated with me because I think uh, like only like literally last week did I realize how I read every single, like I've read every single comment on like my TikTok videos and some of them, like I'm getting slammed. Like people are saying like, you know, horrific stuff. And it sounds like, you know, you've had your fair share of that as well with people sliding into your DMs and talking about their like, boyfriends who are in church KKK groups. Um, and yeah, I think like, I guess it's hard to know. It's hard to know whether it's the, whether it's the social media, the social media kind of format that is, that tricks people into believing that you are their friend, that they do know you and that like, you know, they trust you as much as you trust them, this kind of thing. Um, so yeah, like, do you think that, do you think that is like, have you found setting paywalls to be a, like a 
or like kind of setting more barriers to getting in the way of people accessing your content is this has this been a good way for you to kind of separate like you know the people who are just going to say anything to you from the ones who are actually going to pay and therefore probably are going to be more careful about how they're engaging with your content has it kind of turned out to be more you know a more curated careful safer space I would say not as much as you think, but because you're getting a smaller group of people that you are investing in and they're investing in you, it makes that exchange far more tolerable. So if I'm only having to be accountable to 5,000 people as opposed to 150,000, that's far more manageable for me. I know exactly what's to be expected. And I think setting up the barrier... Uh, gave me a fresh opportunity to to lead with clear boundaries. This is what this space is for. This is what this money entitles you to. Uh, this is what you can expect. No, you don't get more. No, you don't get less. These are my days on. These are my days off. As opposed to having the public platform where everyone's like, well, by virtue of having access to you, I need to get access to all of you. Um, and it's really tricky because I still, I think that I alone can't, change like we said I don't you can't change people I alone am not here to teach people the correct way to engage with me I just need to make it more tolerable for me and so it'll get to a point where even having the paywall is not going to be beneficial because people now think they're investing in you I'm like no you're investing in your ability to access me this is not about me I'd be here anyway (laughs) so again it, it can be really challenging when having to Constantly set boundaries. But I think to say it's the internet is taking away the responsibility from people. They did this. They continue to do this. You know, it's not... I think obviously social media has exacerbated how far it can go and how terrible it can be. But I see this in small ways every time I go and leave the house. I went to an industry event a couple of days ago and some uh, girl and her friend ran up to me and... Uh, they were doing that over familiar thing where they've seen you online. So they want to be your friend. But watching the way this girl was engaging with me, she was talking at me, yelling at me, grabbing my arm, grabbing my arm, uh, wanting to see what was in my bag. Oh, my God. What was that? Is that a lip gloss? Can I see it? Put her hand in my bag. Just could not fathom this idea of personal boundaries. And then it got to the point where she's like, oh, my goodness, can I be your friend? And I said, no. She's like, what? And I was like, no, I don't want to be your friend. She's like, no, no, no. I don't mean like real friend. I mean online. And I was like, what do you mean by that? She said, well, we can follow each other. I'm like, well, that's not what a friendship is to me. So no. She was like, I'm going to follow you and DM you. I was like, okay, you can do that. She's like, will you respond? I said, I probably won't see it, but you could, you can still do that. And she's like, oh, you're a closed book. <laughs> I said, that's fine. <laughs> and at one point I would have, I would have really wanted to fight for, understanding because what triggers me the most in the whole wide world is being misunderstood oh my heart is getting tight at the thought if I've gone out of my way to articulate myself in a way that I feel so comfortable is conveying the message exactly as I want and you choose consciously to misinterpret misunderstand oh my gosh But now I've really had to release that because, again, situations like that happen all the time in varying levels of annoyance. And it serves me to just detach myself from that. It's not even about me. This person wanted an opportunity to feel close, connected, validated, understood, to grow their sense of community. I don't know what it was. 
but it wasn't about me. Therefore, I, I cannot bother myself with it. But it's a weird place to exist. And I think that I feel like when people think that I am over exaggerating how bizarre the internet can be I think you you have to understand like not only has this been my full-time job for however many however many years like this is not something I'm not like living as some obscure person on the internet every day I'm winning awards about my participation on the internet I'm seeing it for what it is I'm not confused this place sucks (laughs) so like believe me when I tell you people are like this believe me when I tell you that you know social media didn't rid someone of their ability to be courteous or polite or have etiquette that was already there social media didn't just make everybody racist that was already there we're just finding that people are forgetting to put on their mask or to operate in a way that you know serves the community in addition to themselves yeah wow what a powerful what a powerful thing to hear a powerful and moving thing to hear about 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 social media and like do you have because like how how do you reconcile that feeling that feeling of like you know you're like this place is fucked this place is like you know people are getting up in your grill and like going into your bag and being like can I be your friend no your cyber friend like I'm gonna dm you how do you reconcile like the intensity of that with like doing it waking up every morning and like continuing because it is going to like your following is going to get bigger and bigger and I guess by virtue of that happening I imagine the intensity is also going to increase exponentially um so like, are you fearful? Like, what's your relationship to, what's it, like, how are you feeling about continuing to work in this industry? Are you, like, is it, is it bringing you joy? You like, what, oh, yeah. joy is a stretch <laughs> to me. Well, I feel as though um, I will quit when it doesn't serve me, right? I feel like I'm not. I'm not at a point where I was attached to it before. I really did think that my social presence was as part of me as I was me. Now I don't feel that way. Now I recognize it's a tool, a tool that's gotten me a ton of great things. And I still feel entitled to leverage that tool until I don't want to. But I think it's just like, it's just like stoicism, right? Like I'm just recognizing like, what can I control? What can't I control? And for the longest time, I was trying to control people. I was like, this is what you need to do to be around me, to make me happy. And now it's like, no, this is what I need to figure out. How do I function in this place um, in a way that suits me? And it's like, okay, well, you want to be validated for your effort. Create, Create systems so people can do that. You know, you want to be able to leverage opportunities. We'll do those. Like, what are you waiting for? Get them over and done with so you don't have to be here anymore. Uh, and, and, and it's taking back power like Bobo and Flex. I loved doing that podcast. I hated the community. They used their proximity to us as a justification or as like validation for their quote unquote wokeness. I'm like, not even I am woke. So I really do not want some random girl using my name or anecdote she's heard of me or just using um, her listenership as a way to be like, I too am good. It's like, no, it's done. Cancelled. End podcast. No. <laughs> Have your own thoughts. You know, and it became a meme of sorts. People were like, I remember there was this viral TikTok went around where somebody was like, tell me a thought that you made up yourself, not one that you got from Flex. 
And everyone's like, ha, 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 I love that. Ha, ha, ha. No, I get all my thoughts from her. Ha, 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 She's so funny. Oh and so even God. then, in situations where I'm like, oh, great, I'm helping you or providing you with tools that help me learn how to critically think or be more self-aware, and you're just parroting what I've taught you back, that's not fun. And I think what therapy has also helped me with is just perspective and trying to be less reactionary and keeping my eye on the prize. And like I said, it triggers me to be misunderstood. So every single day where I see a comment where someone's been like, oh, you're so mean. What about people who can't afford to access the paywall? And I'm like, so I should labor for free? Why? (laughs) None of us, nobody, like you don't have to be here. Nobody should have to have access to me. You know, it takes everything within me not to justify myself and just not, no response, nothing, 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 nothing. And then also I have to keep reminding myself that I do have the ability to Like I choose what I want this space to be and I choose how I want to perceive it. So I just need to remember that to make choices every day. You know, it's, it's really tricky. I think it all comes back to self mastery. And right now social media is a tool that helps me do that because it triggers everything within me. Um, But I'm choosing to stay there because clearly I've not learned my lesson, but it is what (laughs) it is. (laughs) It is what it is. Yeah. Well, it's like, you've certainly, you're certainly, someone who is like very capable of um letting things go when they stop serving you and i think especially with something like social media and like look i'm not the one who should be giving you advice about social media but like i'm very i get very affected by the comments and stuff and i think you know i think you're absolutely right the right thing to do is when when something is no longer serving you for whatever your kind of you know, hope or aspiration is. And when it begins to affect you so profoundly, you know, you let it go. Even if it is something that like you poured your heart into, like the Bobo and Flex podcast. Um, yeah. So, wow. Um, it's wow, so true that's... though, because it can be so simple. I used to really overcomplicate all, but I've done it for so long. And mm. what about all those people? Where are they going to learn about race and mm. identity and sexuality? If not from me, who cares? Delete, block, yeah, yeah. unlist, private the video. It just, again, and my therapist said that, um, and he's like, I see it is a pattern with a lot of kids raised by immigrant parents, but like mm. this idea of overcoming, it's so intertwined into the narrative. You went through something hard, you overcame it by enduring it. No, mm. I don't want to do hard things. Mm. So, and I find myself battling between or trying to weigh up the pros and cons. So let's say you get a viral video on TikTok and only half of the people are resonating with you and the other half think you're a dummy and you're mm. reading comments, people invalidating you. What do you do? I don't like that feeling, delete. Uh, Because, like, I don't have enough control over the way that trauma manifests in my being Mm. to be holding on to these things that make me feel so bad. I'm not that strong. (laughs) So, like, everything just has to go. We're always, like, trimming the fat until we feel safe again. And I really feel there's something to say about, you know, why, why don't we try harder to feel safe and to feel seen and to feel comfortable? Mm. It's everyday struggle. For what? No. Mm. I want to be able to wake up and feel so blissfully joyful because I willed it that way because I chose it. Not because I did a hard thing so some random person on the internet could be like, oh my God, that seems so hard, congrats. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to hear it from you. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And you said, I read your, you did an interview on uh, The Guardian. Um, and <laughs> I was sitting in a cafe earlier today. And like, I don't normally, I don't normally laugh when I read. <laughs> so I hope this is validating. But I like, there's this one thing you said that like fucked me up. You were like, you know, my my family history in West African culture, we have this concept of like big enjoyment. And in the West, we have like big suffering. Big suffering. <laughs> big misery. It's so <laughs> embarrassing when you put it on paper. Like you all want to do this? Everyday yeah. suffer? I just couldn't, like when you put it on paper, you're like, and you see it for what it is. And honestly, it's like when somebody, uh, some, when people say to me, describe what it's like to be in Ghana. I'm like, you couldn't, you you do not have the vocabulary, the imagination, the life experience to get it. For me to be walking down the street in Ghana and people are dancing, singing. Someone's like, smooth skin. You look like you have smooth skin. Do you moisturize with cocoa butter? Oh, amazing. God bless you. And they're on their way. You don't even know what that's like. Every day you get up and you find another way to lament your existence. I'm so sorry. But I cannot be doing that with you because it is so intoxicating to be in this like codependent cycle of like life sucks, life is hard. Yeah, I get it. So let's switch it up where we can. And if you can't, that's all good. But I know for me, I've, I've managed. So I cannot be where you are just for the sake of your comfort. But I'm glad it made you laugh. Yeah, yeah, that was... Not all the time like... I feel funny, but... You know, maybe I am a comedian. I used, uh, we used to, Bob and I used to laugh because our podcast was always topping comedy charts. And we we're like, which about this is funny to you? True, <laughs> true. That is that is funny. Um, yeah, wow. And I think like one. There's one last thing. There's one last thing that I I really want to ask you. Um, and yeah, it's got to do with like it's got to do with this idea of big suffering. Um, and like kind of, you know, various different attitudes that people can have towards the world. So you said that like, and I think you're totally right in, in Australia where, where we, yeah, in Australia where like, you know, we have a very particular attitude towards work and towards success and towards productivity and towards education. Um, my experience has been that success is like white collar big house big salary big stress right um and i feel like undoing that kind of psychological lesson that i've been taught is one of the most challenging things to do to like think about work in a way that isn't you know white collar like you know kind of recognizable medicine law this kind of thing um and so i'm wondering my question is how how have you redefined your conception of work because your attitude towards work is is incredible you are able to like you are so yeah you are like you are ruthless with yourself and with like and with the things that you choose to do that that's like that's what it, that's the way it sounds like you approach stuff you know you're you don't you don't like wait around you don't wait for things to come to you 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 pursue them so like how yeah i guess like what is your definition of work and like how might people be able to get away from kind of traditional markers of success mm. 
The first thing I will say is that traditional markers of success exist because they're the most accessible. So I feel like, you know, to opt out is not to do it the easier way, it's to do it the hard way because the barriers are not only going to be enforced by you, but they're social, they're systemic, they're, they're everywhere you don't want them to be. So I would say the first thing is do not aspire for the non-conventional, the non-traditional, unless you are really ready to, to, to work at it for reasons that only serve you. And I think a lot of people are used to operating in a way that is uh, like not self-sustaining, like requires input, uh, help, assistance from others to make the vision come true. And if you're going to do things unconventionally, you have to be the leader of that own vision. So the first thing is recognize, you know, where you kind of what your role is for yourself. And that can feel like a really overwhelming thing to do. I feel like a good place to start is just a quick old personality test. Like what are your skills? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And then from there, you can figure out how to exploit them. I would perceive myself as someone who is like a manifester in the sense that it's really easy for me to be ruthless and will things in because I have this like really unwavering sense of self-belief um but some people aren't people are just responders right they just like respond to the world around them um in a way that's like very slow moving and passive so that's number one number two is the only 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 way you can develop confidence is by doing like the confidence will not come first the sense of self will not come first the esteem will not come first you have to do and be validated objectively so like i said unless i was in a position where i got the job that was objectively cool I wouldn't have felt cool unless I had been validated objectively by everybody around me that would not like for instance the only reason I was able not the only but a really um I was asking MTV why they had given me the job as the music news presenter when I did not have any experience in TV presenting news presenting journalism nothing and they said verbatim because you're a cool DJ. Okay. <laughs> like, thank you. Like, okay. So, you know what I mean? It was all about how I was presenting. So I think what I want to remind people a lot of is that, like, unfortunately, people consume with their eyes and with their biases and with their preconceived ideas. If you are in a position where you're going to be dealing with people, understand the way the world works first. Put on your sociology, anthropology hat and really like understand the core of what's stopping you from getting to where you want to go based on the world around you. I, for one, being a black woman in Australia, knew for a fact I do not compete where I can't compare. I'm not trying to sit alongside my, my white counterparts and be like, hey, we're one and the same. There's no difference here. There is. And I'd be silly to think so. First thing I did was carve new lanes for myself. I'm not trying to be your new favorite influencer in the way that your favorite influencers are influencing. I can't do it. We're not doing bikini pics. We're not doing acai bowls. We're not doing whatever is popular in those circles. I had to find a way to differentiate myself. And that was really difficult because that needs to be validated by strangers. It needed to be affirmed by strangers. So for, yeah, number one, if I had to break it down, it would be the exact same way I phrase it in my book. You have to know who you are. There will be no generic one size fits all approach to where you want to go because you unfortunately are complex. And I hate that for you because if you weren't, you just do what I had done and it would get to you to where you're going. But the amount of people that I come across who have these really 
clear ideas of where they want to go, but do not recognize that the one thing, like the conduit between you and that thing is you, your biases, your mindsets, your ability to build good, good and bad habits. Like if you understand those, you can understand those things. For me, I know that I have um, like hand on heart, the thing that keeps me going is just this idea of achieving. I want to be good at things, but I want to be good at a way that like serves me first, but is highly validated. So I just seek out those opportunities. I don't do behind the scenes work. I don't do work where people aren't going to be like, that was great. Here's an award. Some people do operate that way. The second thing, you need to know who you want to be. And this is not, I want to be that girl. I want to wake up at 5 a.m. I want to, no. Like if you could just implement one skill or one trait that would make you feel like you're in a better position to get what you want, what would that be? And then go and do it. For me, I really felt as though the difference between where I was and where I wanted to go is feeling as though I wasn't being heard. And so those who wanted to help me were giving me help, but not the help that I required because they couldn't see me like I saw myself. So what I needed to do was be a far more articulate person. I needed to be far more assertive and I needed to back myself in very public ways. So I needed to be like my own warrior. The third is to know what you actually want. And like we said, there's a lot of confusion around what is the right thing to want, especially when we need to maintain living and living well under capitalist structures. I understand some of us would like the world to be a different place. It's not. So until it is, figure out what you want and not just like the title because people get stuck on like, I want to be a marketing manager. I want to be a historian. No. (laughs) What are the characteristics and traits of the things that you want? Me, I want to feel like I have complete creative agency over what I do, when I do it and for what reason. That's why I get up every day at midday because I want to. That's part of my vision. Any job that requires me to get up at 9am is not a job for me. Anything that requires me to do it in a way I don't want to do it, it's not something I want to do. Granted, not everyone feels like they have that kind of agency, but you can make choices all you want. Also, if you don't know what you want and you don't know why you want it, you have no ideas about, you have no idea, sorry, if you don't know what you want and why you want it, you have very little clarity about what your motivations are and also what your barriers to success are. So like, if you don't know what motivates you and people say, I'm motivated by money. No, you're not. Because if you were, you'd be a plumber. You'd be a plumber. You'd be working at a call center, making 35 bucks an hour, trying to sell people life insurance. That's not what you're motivated by. So there's something else in there that's like ticking or um, getting in your way and you haven't recognized it yet. So figure out what your motivations are so you can figure out what your barriers are. See, for me, I won't do things that don't feel like I get anything out of them. And like you might be thinking like, what do you mean? For example, I know that there are some work opportunities that feel really awesome because they pay you money. But then for me, I'm doing calculations. Once I take out my tax, my BAS, once I take out my savings, once I take out my superannuation, there's not that much money left. So like what I want is enjoyment. Is it fun? If it's not, then I can re- I can afford to like... I can afford to do something differently. I can afford to choose something else, right? And then after you do all of those things, how you get it is the easiest thing. We're not reinventing wheels. I promise you the thing that you want to do has been done by somebody else before. They're currently doing it. It exists. So all you need to know is if you've done all that groundwork, that foundational work, getting what you want is the easiest thing. 
I said it like back the earliest. I worked the hardest in the earliest of my career because everything was another, everything I did was an opportunity for me to prove that I could. Now I've proved it. Now I just need to choose. If you're still in the proving stage, then prioritize that. If going to your cafe job every day is not giving you any more confidence that you can be an, you know, an, a historian, then do some more historian shit. <laughs> Like it all is very simple. And I feel like, um, and my therapist is always trying to teach me to not overcomplicate things. I myself love fantasy. I love imagination. And so in my head, things should be complicated for the plot. Sometimes things aren't complicated. They're very direct. They're very literal. And we need to like implore that literal and lateral thinking. What is it you want to do? Why do you want to do it? What do you hope it's going to do for you? Go do it. There you go. There that's, we go. That's life under late capitalism by by flex. <laughs> opt in or opt out. You've opt got in, two opt choices. <laughs> True. And all of this can be found in your book. Yeah, read the book. Read the book. I honestly didn't spend two years writing it. And especially writing it in a way that wasn't for me. Like I had to write a book. I had to, <laughs> I had to dilute all the things that I wanted to say make it so accessible so you would read it and you'd stop asking me and people haven't read it yet still trying to DM me for tips and tricks it's all there I put it all there for a reason because it's not that difficult it just requires a sense of commitment how dare they if only if only they knew how much it takes for someone who wants control to yield control if only they knew don't say that that word <laughs> too big. That concept is too complex. Simplify it. Simplify it. Simplify it. Simplify. Make it prettier. Add colors. Add colors. <laughs> I was like, okay. What is your life philosophy? What do you? How do you see the world? How do I see the world? Yeah. Good question. Um, I think it's it's changed over the years. Um, but at the moment, so for a long time, I was like pretty, pretty. I was a nihilist. So I was like, <gasps> yeah. Wow. I was like, there is, there is no kind of clear, there is no tangible external meaning. Um, and like even internal meaning is kind of, we, we have, we mostly have a weak link to it. Yeah. Um, this was in my like late teens, early twenties. Uh, good time to be a nihilist. <laughs> yeah, good time. But it lasted for years, like, like four years. Wow. Um, and like that kind of intersected with like a very like dark, depressive period. Mm, it would um, do that. Yeah. Um, and then more recently, I guess, like I have, yeah, I guess like, you know, through therapy and through like really trying to confront like, you know, the, my various demons, I've like realized that there actually is a lot that is valuable in the world. And I think like my life philosophy is trying to understand enough about myself so that like I'm able to get the day without being get through the day without being crushed by it um so like I'm not like I'm not like you know an extreme optimist I'm not like I don't yeah I'm not like you know seeking happiness I'm not like happiness is the answer to life I feel like I'm more um yeah I feel like there's still like this this like I'm still affected by my nihilism in the sense that I'm like, you know, life is more about like reflection and understanding how you operate and like trying to understand how to operate in a world where you're not in charge. Mm. Um, 
Oh, this is so fascinating. Hmm. Wow. Okay, okay. Have you done any personality tests? I'm so intrigued. Yeah, yeah. I know you love the Myers-Briggs. I've done it. No, I don't. I don't love Myers-Briggs. I love the Enneagram. Whoa. Yes, the What's Enneagram. That? Oh, okay. So, okay. The thing about the Myers-Briggs, I, I, <laughs> I push it because it's really accessible. I think that yeah. getting someone to sit down and introspect for, you know, an hour or however long it might take them is a big ask. And so I give them the one I know is going to be the most identifiable and the one they can do a lot of research on. But I think what, what the Myers-Briggs fails to do is that people really struggle to self-assess from a place of um, reality. Everybody's really aspirational with it. They want to be better. And so they perceive themselves to be better. And then we've got like, you know, the halo, whatever, subconscious bias. But then the, also the issue with the Myers-Briggs is that, is that these 16 categories are so specific. Like the way that they, and I get it because we want people to feel really sure about who they are. We want to be able to give them insight that feels so aligned that they don't need to deviate from that path. But it's not taken into consideration that, you know, as unique as we are, we're not going to fit neatly into these boxes. And it, it leaves no room for like contradiction or hypocrisy. And people are by nature contradictory and we're all hypocrites. So when you tell me I'm an ENTP and you, you want me to stand by it, I will until I'm like, well, is God even real? And like, what is my intuition if not just like behavior that I've affirmed over the years, right? Surely that can't be a real thing. And now I'm judged. Now I'm, I'm stressed out because I'm like, what, who am I now? It's making me question my whole identity. But the Enneagram wow. is so wow. good because not only does it take into consideration how you might be perceived when you're operating from a quote unquote healthy standpoint, healthy in the framework of standard, average, medium, you on an average day. It takes into consideration what you might be like if you are in a place of stress versus versus whether you're like ascending. And also it shows the interconnectivity of your type and other types in your part of the triad. So like, you know, if I if I am a three, which means that I am an achiever, I like to do stuff, I like to be validated. My biggest fear is not having my worth perceived in the way that I perceive it and when I'm unhealthy I go to a six which means I become it's called a loyalist which means that I'm like for the cause but I'm quite apathetic about it or I'm Mm. quite passive about it I um, will do what's necessary I will you know I'll be the warrior I'll, I'll, I'll tick the boxes but I won't feel as though I need to do more than what's necessary and then when I'm uh and then when I am in when I'm in growth I can be a bit of a peacemaker so I can recognize that like you two can fight but there is balance in recognizing people's emotions being empathetic holding space for people all these things right and so at once you're able to see like the contradictions of you as a whole person really clearly but also uh uh it made me really empathetic for other people, people that I, mm. I, I wasn't able to see people as complex before that. I was like, you're being contradictory. You're being a fake person because you won't be the same person in every circumstance, not recognizing there are reasons why people aren't the same person in every circumstance. I was telling my therapist that I only realized recently that people don't operate at face value. So I'm here being like, what you said is what you meant. And what you meant is what you said and how you felt and how you portrayed your feeling is exactly aligned. I was like, that's not it. I'm going, you see what's going on? I'm going through changes, but uh, I think the Enneagram is so cool. Um, 
but yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's the most, uh, like holistic approach to personality typing and not in, not in the sense where I believe that people should use it as, um, you know, end all or be all, but I just don't think we're taught how to introspect in a way that's effective at all Mm. anyway. I think it only comes through catastrophic life situations. Like you lose a job, you break up, whatever. That's not realistic and it's not practical. Mm. So even having a tool to help you mirror you and see if you resonate with that, even that, imagine doing a personality test, getting your results back and not resonating. What is the disconnect? Anyway, and then I recently got into this thing called human design. I'm not really sure if I completely understand it. And this is the thing with me. I was raised religious, but then I was like, Mm. I don't really know if I believe uh, in Jesus, but I don't not believe. I'm like, Mm. it could be either way. So I'd like to be informed, right? I don't want to like rule it out and then die and then go meet Jesus and have to be like, oh, you know, actually, you know, it Sorry, was embarrassing bro. to be a Christian <laughs> when I was yeah. alive. <laughs> no, I want to be across it. So there's a thing called human design. I don't know if I could explain it well enough, but it talks about, it's essentially like a really, it is complex, but my understanding of it is really basic. The mm. way people respond to the world around them. Some people are quote unquote manifestors. They're able to will things into existence, not witchy, but they are able to connect the dots between what they want and use their limbs and their brain to get what they want. Then you mm. have manifesting generators who are, that's my type, people who can do what manifestors can, but also have the tools to teach and inspire others how to do it in a way that's like really accessible, whatever. Then you have projectors, which are people who, uh, I would say they're facilitators. They are not Mm. starters. They're not going to lead the charge, but they have a great eye for optimization. They can see Mm. everything wrong with the big picture because they have no stake in creating the picture. So they can be highly critical, but also Mm. that feedback is amazing. It's a skill that I wish I had because I'm too close to everything that's important to me. I can't, I can't zone out, zoom out. I can't. And then you have, um, responders or reactors who again are the easiest way to describe them is like quote unquote the masses the people who exist to make sure whatever the manifestors and the manifesting generators want gets done you need leaders and followers apparently binary vibes Mm. but anyway i feel like you are blowing my mind right now. It's so complex. I just can't believe I'm talking to a real reformed nihilist. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, well, yeah, reformed, reformed, reformed. I've moved, I've moved beyond beyond the nihilism. But hey, this this human design stuff. I actually, um, one of my friends was telling me about a friend of his who moved to California for the projector movement. And mm. Is that so? Is this like, is it a religion in the same way, like? Like what, what exactly, like, is it, is it, yeah, what exactly is it? I wouldn't say it's a religion, but I think a lot of these personality typing things start to have like a dogma associated and a doctrine associated with it. And suddenly it can feel really religious, but then you Mm -hmm. are the God. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily like we're the God. It's like you are the God, you do things. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a religion and I don't think cult is the right word for it either Mm. because there's all these kind of like very defined characteristics associated with a cult, but it is definitely a community. uh, And I would say that people who believe in things like human design would believe that if you were surrounding yourselves with people who 
literally just saw the world in the way that you do, you'd be far more fulfilled. Like I said, I struggle when people, when I engage with people who don't believe they have some kind of self-agency because I mm. don't even have the language to communicate what's happening. And mm. then because I can be a stickler for language in the sense that I really listen to the words people use to define their situation to get a real read on what they think is happening. So like when I remember I was talking to a friend the other day who, so friend A asked friend B, can I borrow something off you? Friend B didn't want to and said reluctantly didn't want to, but then joyfully said, of course you can have the thing. (laughs) Friend B goes to me, oh my goodness, friend A made me give them this object. I said, how, how did that happen? Well, friend B says, friend A asked me, here's the screenshot. Screenshot shows friend B going, oh my God, of course. When do you need it? Do you need anything else? I can drop it off to you. Friend <laughs> B talks to me. Oh my goodness. All they do is like get me to do things for them. They're not grateful. They're pressuring me. I'm like, how are you not? Do you not recognize that the language you're using is warping your understanding of the situation you're in? Wow. Anyway, it's a whole trip. And this is probably why I'm very drawn to maintaining this public presence figure thing because I can see things so clearly and I always have a huge sample size to go off from. Like right now, I'm very attached to this idea of not wanting to be a good person because I see the way good people operate and they're the worst. They're the worst, self-sacrificing and manipulative. Every single self-identified people pleaser that I, not every single, the majority of self-identified people pleasers I come across virtually are the first to overstep a boundary, the first to, Whoa, um, true. yeah, the first to push their wants for you over your wants for yourself, the first to assume that the boundaries that you set are not for them because they're empathetic and kind and surely you wouldn't want them to not talk to you. Yeah, all of you. Get out of here. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Get Don't out worry. of here. True. So like, are you, are you making a link between like people like wanting to be a good person and like some kind of big narcissistic virtue signaling or something? Well, I'm not sure if it's necessarily narcissistic, but I just, I'm trying to figure out what this aversion to being human is. People uh, people would love me to believe they're close. They're closely evolved from robots than people. It's like what you don't feel things, you don't hurt, you can't be vulnerable. But also, I, I, um, uh, it's kind of like everything feels a bit like Margaret Atwood, Big Brothery, where people are so convinced that they're being watched in the sense that you know I might ask. I might do a poll on my Instagram story, which is pretty much anonymous because I'm not going to go through the responses of 50,000 people and say, you know, Amy from, you know, Victoria said so-and-so, but they respond as if they're being watched. And so somebody might accidentally click yes when they meant no and then run to tell me that, you know, I didn't mean to. And, you know, you might think I'm the worst person, but so-and-so. And I was like, I wasn't even noticing, but what are you fearful of? And then I'm also confused because a lot of people, I mean, I have this fear of um, karma and sometimes doing the bad thing because I was raised religious. So I feel like somewhere I'm acutely aware of like, what are the consequences of doing that bad thing? Uh, Is the butterfly effect real? Not really anyway. So why does it matter? But that's where I'm at. But I'm like, if you are atheist and you don't believe that things are real or you're an atheist and a nihilist, but you're still operating from this big brother, omnipotent presence is watching me ready to judge. What, where is that coming from? 
And what is your motivation to be perceived as something by someone who has no stake in the outcome of your life? It all just feels so... Um, and like, don't you want to just release some of that weight off your shoulders for a second? And then there's something so... I also was drawn to thinking about it because of um, the way the conversation of cancer culture has just gotten so out of hand, but how people are so quick to want to wield power over other people. The moment someone can um, destabilize you and bring you down a few rungs, I'm like, why are you so quick to want to do that? That's not a good feeling. Why do you want to see someone suffer so publicly? What's happening there? And people will take no time to introspect and all the time to uh, point fingers, uh, obviously as like a distraction mechanism, right? Like if I point away, you won't look at me, but what will I find if I look at you? What are you hiding? And wouldn't it be so nice to just reveal it all? Wouldn't mm. it be freeing just to like, let it all hang out for a second? Mm. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's a really, that's a really big question. Like, cause yeah, I, I, I hear you. Like it's, I'm really curious as to why you know, someone who mistaps on like a pole reaches out and they're like, flex, oh my God, like, you know, please don't take it personally. And it's exactly like it was a misclick. Like yeah. And like, it's and like, all good. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Like, you know, didn't even, didn't even think about it. And I wonder like, yeah, I wonder if it is, if it does reveal, I wonder if this is, you know, what kind of social media as this like very advanced form of connectivity. Tool. Yeah, seriously. I wonder, I wonder if this is like what it's doing to us. Like it's kind of bringing out these, um, this like hyper, hyper insecurity in most people where they're like, you know, like I'm, my profile is public. Like, you know, I'm engaging with everyone. Anyone can possibly see what I'm up to. Like I have to kind of tiptoe around. Um, but yeah, I wonder what the opposite would look like. Like, I wonder if in like, if people weren't you know, kind of tiptoeing around. But I imagine most people aren't tiptoeing around. Um, oh, I think most people are tiptoeing around. Oh, really? I really do, yeah. Hmm. Because there's something about... the A lot of the critique I get is, you know, like... Or not critique. It's not, it's not critique. It's like validation. Like, I could never say that. How are you so comfortable to say that? Or why would you show that? Or, you know, uh, like, aren't you scared? And I'm like, but scared of what? All I want is to be seen... And understood and so I can start to have myself accurately reflected back at me right so it's like if I'm being seen for all of me and this is the experience I'm having well then I can choose to correct or overcorrect in some areas but now I'm torn between this warped self-perception like my ego was out of control when I was 21 to maybe 25 because all I got was validation for existing and not even just like you're a good person but like you're out of this world I love you so much I'm so inspired by by you I did this by you I named this after you every day and it's like me thank you what do you think that does to a person's brain no wonder celebrities are cooked how can you not be like skirting narcissism when all you like everything you do is going to be touted as something that was worthwhile and amazing I feel as though, and I see this a lot, like I will, I will see my friends with 200 followers on Instagram, you know, just going back and forth about which post, which picture to post and why, and what caption to post and why. And I'm like, it's not even going to anyone who doesn't know you, number one. And so it doesn't really matter, but no, it matters. And they're going back 13 likes, no, 14 likes. So now it's on 15. Oh, why didn't anybody like it? I'm like, this is important to you. 
because it's important to me. I'm monetizing it. But what about for you? What's the point? But yeah, I do think, I don't think the average person is consciously aware that they're not being their full selves because they're not, they've not had, like, the best way I can explain is every day somebody tells me who I am, like unprovoked. To me, you were this. I expected this. Why didn't you do this? You know, you should have done this, right? People aren't exposed to that. So I'm sure they would think that I am being as true to myself as I can be because there's been no complaint. There's been no one opposed to the way that I'm behaving. And I'm so, when you are made aware of how like, how easily it takes someone to misunderstand you and how unclear it is or the lack of clarity people have around just like you as a person, it makes you try a lot harder to make sure they're seeing the most accurate version of yourself. But if you don't have that motivation or if there's no, um, if there's no real uh, push to do so, then why would you? And I also think, you know, people are being themselves when you question them. So like if you ask people to tell you who they are, they're not going to know. If you ask them to tell, if you ask them to tell you what their strengths are, what they're scared of, what their biggest insecurity is, what they want, why they feel certain ways, where they inherited their beliefs from. It's like big question marks everywhere, everywhere. But like, I don't mind because for me, like I said, I I'm reclaiming being a bad person because I feel as though. Um, when I do things that are perceived as objectively good, people get so excited. But have you ever seen a good person do something that's like even like remotely a little bit bad? Oh, nobody's letting them live it down. You know, your favorite socially woke public figure who, you know, accidentally bought fast fashion and didn't realize or didn't know that that artist had been canceled and they were put playing a little story on their Instagram and now they're being roasted on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> true true yeah yeah you're like so much so much there the thing about um uh people not knowing how to answer questions about who they are is is so true and i think like going back to nihilism i think that like that was a big prompt something that prompted my nihilism like me spending so much time thinking about who i was and like not actually finding anything concrete and then i think like for me the conclusion was like you know i tend to think of myself as someone who's like you know introspective to the point of like anxiety um and like it's a blessing and a curse you know i can like think about shit but like i can't stop thinking about shit um but like you know when i ask questions about who i am like you know where morality comes from what truth is like the kind of the harder I think about stuff, the more like crushed I am because there's no kind of like resoundingly clear answer. And so now I've kind of chilled out. And like when someone's like, who are you? I feel like I can answer. Um, but yeah, maybe like maybe I'm not I'm not attached. I don't feel like, yeah, I'm not like really attached to like being anything in particular. That's exactly it. I'm always saying I'm whoever I want to be in that day. Who am I, whoever mm. I choose to be? And I think people mm. expect like a lot of inner knowing when it comes to mm. who are you. And like, it doesn't really matter. Where mm. are you, like what archives are you trying to access to tell yeah. you who you are? Just pick, like <laughs> pick. Like today like, yeah. I'm a bit introverted. <laughs> like tomorrow yeah. I'm extroverted. It doesn't really matter. Cause yeah. who's going to verify? Who's yeah, going literally. to like cross reference? 
you know, who I said I was and how it's being perceived by you. It's all so inconsequential, which also what I was talking about before being um, thinking about my my mortality a lot, not the sense of like, I'm going to die. So I need to do a bunch of stuff, but I'm going to die. How Mm. embarrassing to be given this gift of life and like living, breathing, eating snacks, singing music, seeing animals. They're still discovering animals to this day. (laughs) And at one point, I'm just not going to be here. It's so unfair. And I, every day I'm just so, I think I feel, I, I feel hard done by that fact. Like I, 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 I just was plopped here and now like, I don't get a say in when I get to go so I can just leave when I'm not done. He's going to take me away from here. So sometimes I think about, I'm a big thinker as well, but I like to, I think to do. So mm. I like to, I like to be able to think about new scenarios and do new things. So my dreams and my imaginations have more content to work with because I'm a big dreamer like a sleep time dreamer, not like a hippie. Um, But so when I think about um, my mortality, it's more so like if today was the last day I lived and I spent ages uh, going back and forth over whether I should send a text message to someone. Yeah, fuck that. Send that shit. Send that shit in. You have to send the text message. What are you talking about? And do I find myself, I really have to challenge that within myself because... I, I often want to wait for like the right time or mm. because of the control thing, I don't have a good bandwidth over when I'm being a puppet master or when I'm letting life happen. And I'm like, mm. why can't I be a puppet master? Therapist said, that's no good. Don't be puppet master. I say, why not? Cause like things don't move like I want them to if I'm not a puppet master and I could die anytime. It's just, True. it's not cool. Huge. Would you be immortal if you could? immortal um i was i i think about this from time to time and i think the answer is no because this is okay this is linked this is linked to my my like when you said what is my life philosophy so i think i think that like one of the only thing that gives our lives meaning is the fact that we are mortal oh because like if for example you like why would flex be motivated like if it was always going to be possible yeah. for you to like, you know, like why? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think, I think if you take away, if you take away the capacity, if you take away the time limit, yeah. if there are no time constraints and if like, you're literally able to experience it all, to see it all and to learn it all, I feel like it would take away like, you know, that experience of you building that Lego block. Like that was special because like, you know, like it, it wasn't something that could happen an infinite number of times. Mm. Okay, let's rephrase. Yeah. Uh, live your normal humanly life till 90, 100, maybe push it 105. <laughs> yeah. Um, or 2,000 years. Huge. Would, okay, so like, let me ask for some clarification. Yes. Would, it be, would it be me? Y- you can be you or do you want to be someone else? Well, like, okay, this is, this is like, this is very interesting because there is like, I think the older I get, two things happen. One, I become more aware of like all the suffering in the world and like the suffering that 
like you know people i care about experience and two i learn how to manage these things differently Mm -hmm. but i feel like there's this weird kind of dissonance between the two of them where like i'm learning about all the fucked up shit and then i'm also like learning how to manage it and i feel like if i was subjected to that for two thousand years um like two thousand years of learning about like all the horrible things that have happened then like it'd be pretty tough but i also feel like i'd probably like surely you just dissociate infinitely after like a hundred years right like imagine imagine being imagine seeing all the dumb shit imagine if we think tiktok comments are bad (laughs) imagine the kind of fucked up shit people are going to be saying in like five years on whatever new platform there is See, I'm Imagine like, being exposed be to so that. It's so fun to be like, oh, I'm a cavewoman. Oh, I'm not a cavewoman anymore. I'm smart. <laughs> I'm a person now. Oh, I'm in Greece. <laughs> True. What would I'm you thinking, do? Well, I feel as though a big, like, a big cornerstone of my being and my experience is connecting with people. It's mm. one that I make sure. I, I didn't realize it was important to me because I. Um, was definitely like one of those emotionally detached teens. I thought I was above feeling. I was like, people are annoying. They're too complex. Now I love it. I just want mm. to be able to um, have access to people, but more in like a one-on-one capacity. I don't want to do groups. So I just feel like I would just get to know people and just report back to myself. What am True. I discovering about people? Is there any conclusive ideas of how people should be? What is the best person like? What is the worst person like? What am True. I like in contrast to them? Can I learn different things? Can I learn a new language? Will I learn discipline over 2,000 years? Or will I just be the same person? Uh, because I feel like, and what comes to mind for me is Twilight and the Cullens, right? So people are always like, why did the Cullens go to high school? Why didn't they just go somewhere else where they could live out a real adult life? And it's like, well, you would have to maintain living in a cyclical, in a cyclical way to not disassociate, right? Yeah, true, you would need true. to just go through the motions with everybody else and just experience that in different environments until you learn some new stuff. So, of course, you go to high school. Why wouldn't you want to be, like, 300 years old and be like, what, is, what are they talking about? <laughs> I want to oh. know. I just oh. feel like there is infinite stuff to know, and mm. we do not have access to enough of it. Mm-mm-mm. So, yeah. I'm like, this is not enough time. 60, 70, 80 years? This is not enough time. Especially because we don't have full-time commitments to living. We pause living to just, like, exist for a long time. And there are, like, little moments in the day where we live. But, like, we're not really exhausting all opportunities. I just want a chance. I just want a chance. I want to feel able... Like, and when people say things like, you know, you'll have five career paths in your lifetime, what are you talking about? (laughs) I... Five? (laughs) (laughs) that's not enough time to do all the things I want to do and it sounds really silly but it's stressing me out that somebody could dictate I can only do a certain amount of things because my body's going to decay fix it stop it from decaying we have done far more absurd things with our time let's get to the important stuff create that fountain of youth that tree of life do something with it but if we die and we come back. Oh, I'd love that. Would you want to know? Would you like? Would you in the next life? Would you want to know that in the previous life you were you were Lil? Yeah. You would want to know. Yeah. Would you want all the experiences to carry over, or would you want to start fresh? Mm, no, I feel like we would need to start fresh because, like, too much programming has happened. It happened mm, when we were mm. seven or whatever. So 
we need to start fresh. Yeah, but true. I would like to be given the opportunity to access the archives. Um, but you have to work for it. Like mm, probably mm, like just mm. before you die, give me a little little sneaky peeky, <laughs> mm, mm. and then let me go on to to the next thing. But I'm not coming back as anything that's not whatever the top of the food chain is. <laughs> yeah. So like I'm not coming back as a cockroach or like some animal that's going to be farmed <laughs> for eating. I have to be some kind of Homo sapiens. True, uh, I'm not doing true. it. I can't top, do it. Top top dog. Top We've dog. already experienced this. I can't go back. Oh my goodness. Okay, so what would be so good if you ever end up doing your human design or your Enneagram, you must send me your results because... I'll do it. Fully, just, fully. I'll do oh, it. I'll write them both down. Please, because I am so intrigued. But also, I just want to see your results and I want to know what parts, which parts you resonate with and which parts you don't. Because I feel like I used to want to be really complex before I recognized that I could be a simple person. Like, if I tell you that I am a manifesting generator... I'm happy for you to go and read that and be like, oh yeah, that's her. I don't really want to be complex to everybody I meet. I want to be predictable. I want to mm. be understood. I'm. However we get to that quickly, I'm like, that's all good. <laughs> I just can't get past the nihilism thing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't, I didn't mean to like, I didn't mean to throw you. Um, but I've moved on. I've moved on. Yeah, that you've moved like, on, but it's, 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 yeah, it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. Yeah, so yeah. It's I'm in the archive. Like, it's in the archive. What about your support systems, like your friends and stuff? Do you all mm. share quite a similar perspective? No, 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 online? no, not at all. Are you friends with a bunch of philosophers? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like not a bunch, but you know, enough for my liking. Um, yeah, and I feel like nah, my my support network is like my friendship group is pretty we're pretty diverse pretty diverse in our philosophies of life but i feel like at that time there were like a few key people in my life who were also like you know like having some pretty wacky like thoughts and so i think together we like we kind of like trudged through this like very bleak <laughs> very bleak yeah, like what would motivate you to do stuff I guess right now you've said the curiosity is motivating you to do stuff. Mm, mm. Curiosity but, and care and care as well. Yeah. Do I you, don't think I don't think there was much care back then, either for myself or for like, uh, you know, or for yeah, what I what I could do or what could happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean? Do do you mind? Like, are you seeking answers, truth, or just knowledge? Because for me, I don't need answers. So if I am if I ask someone a question, I'm so for example, if I say, um, you know, what's your favorite thing about being alive? The worst thing you could tell me is like, I don't know. I'm not ready to hear that. But if you tell me what your favorite thing is, I will want to debate it with you. But it doesn't really. But I don't actually care. I'm just interested in, in seeing the way people think. I don't really care about the answers, which is why I find myself really easy to, I can like withstand hearing from people and befriending people that I don't have or align with in every way. Cause I'm like, I just want to know that you are a full person in a way that makes sense to you. But I do have a lot of friends who are seekers of truth and they really struggle with that. They want to, they want answers. And I'm like, I've never had an answer for anything in my life. It's all been up in the air. Mm, even gravity yeah. isn't that just like a theory that anyone knows that's a real thing 
I'm like, even gravity, you don't even know? <laughs> true. true, true. I feel like gravity is a pretty, like, if I was able to know, if I was able to be as certain about, like, who I am as I am about gravity, I feel like if I was able to be the same amount of certain about those two questions, uh, I think life would be, like, a fair bit easier. But I think I'm actually pretty similar to you. Like, I, for a long time, I wanted answers. And I think I never got them. And I think some people can get answers, but I think they're the kinds of people who are like, who aren't, who, who don't like, who, who aren't anxious and who don't overthink. And I think that like my disposition isn't one that is happy with like an explanation. Like, I think that's why I found science really, even though like I wanted to do medicine, like I studied biomed. That was the first thing I studied at uni. I like hated it because I was like, I can't believe these people are saying there's like one fucking answer to every Just question. One. Yeah, I was like, that's what bullshit. Do you mean one? Yeah, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. So yeah, I think I'm torn between answers and, and knowledge. I think like recently I've like maybe the past two years, the deeper I've got into philosophy, the more respect I've had for like for knowledge rather than answers. Because um, I think it is like it's a lot more liberating. And like, it means, and I think also socially. And a lot less isolating as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're like, oh, yeah. I don't need, we can just be here connected. Yeah. It's all yeah. good. We'll get yeah. to the answers when we get to them, if they ever reveal themselves. Well, hey, Lil, um, that was, that was awesome. Um, thanks. Thanks for chatting with me. <laughs>